The following program is paid for by Rudy Wealth Management. Good morning, and welcome to Paul Rudy's On the Money. You're invited to be part of today's show. Call 356-9397. Opinions and views expressed represent those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of the station. And now, Paul Rudy's On the Money. Well, good Tuesday morning, everybody. This is Paul Rudy with Paul Rudy's On the Money. We have a, well, I think, a, maybe a more interesting show than our uh, normal show today, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, I'm here with a couple of my regular guests, certified financial planner, professional, and retirement income certified professional, David Rudy. David, welcome. Thanks for having me. And certified financial planner, professional, Paul Rudy, Jr., of our Plano, Texas office. Paul, welcome to the cold. Thanks for having me. And more importantly, we have a special guest today, Ms. Karen Pickard, today from the Daily Bread Soup Kitchen. By the way, she was also Paul and David's English teacher. So I'm afraid of the grade I'm going to get today after the show. (laughs) (laughs) I I had a lot of red marks in my day. I can just tell you that. You'll probably, after the show, Karen, you'll recognize it. You can call in with your questions to 356-9397 or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling Text line at 351-5317. You can also email your question to talk at wdws.com. Except don't email me about animals having being possessed. I oh, yeah, we that, heard that on so the, I heard that the show earlier. before. Uh, Scott took that question. It's important <laughs> to recognize that the past performance that past performance is not indica- an indication of future results. You should, there's nothing like an English teacher in a studio oh, to make you, I'm making you tense, nervous. I, I'm, I'm making you nervous already, <clears throat> I can tell. You should also not make any investment decisions without first consulting your own financial advisor and conducting your own research and due diligence. Well, Karen, thanks for joining us today. This was kind of a clash by accident. Uh, well, I really, Paul, when you arrange, and we'll get into this, uh, our, our service yesterday, and it's kind of the annual gifting day like uh, today, so it's more by coincidence. Um, Karen Pickard, you help out at the Daily Bread Soup Kitchen uh, on what? You have a special day, Tuesday, that's your day? I, I am. This is my day. I'm part of the Tuesday crew. And so I ran over here just to be with my old friends. Literally. Ran. I did. Uh, just to be with my old friends, David Rudy and Paul Jr. I'm sitting here thinking these boys should be wearing white shirts and blue pants because that's <laughs> kind of our like history. It. Uh, yes, so I'm I'm delighted. I, I left the soup kitchen in good hands. They're making uh, chicken and ham and baked potatoes and uh, green beans, and everything's bubbling in the soup pots. And here I am to spend a little time with you gentlemen this morning to talk about giving. Well, we couldn't be more pleased. And yesterday, the boys and I uh, and my son-in-law, Ryan, uh, we joined in the fun. Uh, but as Paul said, boy, the real work's done by the people that show up every day or they do their day or two a week. And I was just taken aback by all the effort that goes in. I mean, it's not, it's fun, but I tell you what, I was tired. I'm not kidding. I told the boys, I said, I'm really tired. I don't know how, uh, You stay know. busy, that's for sure. Right. And uh, we're also going to talk today about the annual pack. Uh, backpack drive and, and we're going to ask you a little bit about that and i know paul you guys have been working on that we're going to try to do our part on that so uh but again it is a unique connection that we have here today because of you being the english teacher at st matt's st matthew's and uh having the you I guess did you not have daniel and katie or oh you, absolutely oh, you, it was a everybody clean got sweep you right? of rudy's for me <laughs> absolutely the only one who escaped me is your um 
your son-in-law, Ryan. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Uh, uh, so, Paul, all this began with you randomly thinking about reaching out to your to, uh, Karen and uh, to thank her for all the impact on the skills because you're you, you're all good writers, all the boys. I have to say that, or I'll get in trouble at home. Uh, <laughs> but you know, you have quite a bit of skill, and you write a lot. Uh, in all fairness, so that was just kind of your way of reaching out, thinking kind of wow, I, this didn't happen by accident, did it? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, David and I will occasionally get compliments on our writing. We write for places like Investopedia and NASDAQ and CNBC. And the most common compliment we get is, you guys are just really naturally good writers. And I say probably only 10% joking. Well, that's because David and I had a really good eighth grade English teacher. And just she really set a great foundation. Uh, so I think as you just get a little older, you start to kind of look back and think about the people who had that impact on your life. And I think everyone had that just crazy enthusiastic teacher that really made an impact <laughs> on their life. And for David and I, that was Mrs. Pickard. So I was really just reaching out to say, hey, thanks, because I, I don't think we thank our teachers enough. I mean, I think they really, their compensation is really having an impact on students. And I think they just like to, to hear thank you. So really, I was just looking up her contact info to just say thanks. And I found out she was really involved in Daily Bread Soup Kitchen and um, is part of their speakers bureau, does a lot of promotion. And I thought, hey, you know, I know we're not super famous or anything, but we have a radio show, so maybe we could kind of work something out, and here we all are. Paul, well, I, I am kind of super famous. I just want to get there. <laughs> <laughs> he <laughs> leans into it. I lean away. <laughs> I understand. Uh, so, Karen, again, thanks for being here and uh, to tell everybody about the uh, Daily Bread Soup Kitchen. Uh, for the sake of our listeners that maybe haven't are not even aware of it, um, can you just give us kind of the brief overview about kind of the, the mission how many people are involved, just kind of the, just, it's your story. Well, it is our story, and uh, what's wonderful is that we are serving lunch to over 200 people every day, and each one of those folks have a story. We've got a lot of hunger in Champaign County. One out of seven adults are hungry, one out of five children under the age of 18 are hungry, and one of the statistics that really shocks me is we're third in the state of Illinois in terms of the poverty level. Wow. Now, we who live in Champaign-Urbana are probably not ready to um, own that right. statistic, but it is ours. There are many people in our town who are hungry. And so they come to us for a variety of reasons. Our guests, and you met our guests yesterday. Right. They are uh, a, a wonderful group of people. We've got a, a real community going over there. Uh, most people think that our guests are homeless. And indeed, there is a percentage of our guests who are homeless. But for the most part, we're serving lunch each day to the working poor. Uh, ladies and gentlemen who have jobs, who are running over on their lunch hour. So, so if you have a job, why are you coming for a free meal? Well, I'll tell you why. Uh, in these economic times, dollars stretch only so far. And so if these folks want to pay their rent, pay their utility bills, buy sh clothing for their kids, uh, make a Christmas for their children, uh, this is a great way of saving money if they come and have a nutritious meal with us every day. Uh, we have a young woman who brings her two little girls every Tuesday that I'm there. The reason why she comes is because she says, we have fresh fruits and vegetables. I know your listeners know that 
healthy food is expensive food. Anybody can buy a bag of chips, but that last time I looked, that's not a green vegetable. And so when people come to the soup kitchen, they can have a good, nutritious meal. We have a, a man who refers to Daily Bread Soup Kitchen as Mama's House. And when he calls it Mama's House, he's referring to Ellen McDowell, our founder, a 90-plus lady who started the whole operation back in the 80s. Uh, but this this guest refers to it as Mama's House and says it's because he feels that when he comes and eats at the soup kitchen, he's going home and his mom's cooking for him. Well, I did notice there's quite a bit of warmth. I think that's the nature of people volunteering, probably. But... The, the the level of caring, it, it was not, I'm going to go just show up, wipe some tables and do some things. It's like there's a, people, there's a real buy-in. I noticed that. Did you guys kind of pick up on that? Yeah, and I would say another thing, too. I think when people hear about a soup kitchen, they kind of think of Depression Bread Lines or some, you know, something out of a Charles Dickens novel, since I have my English teacher here. Uh, <laughs> but it's really not that. You know, I think people think they're going to, it's great food. I mean, it's, they, t yesterday they put together pulled pork and potatoes and green beans. And I mean, Dave and I were very up close and personal with the food because we were serving it. And it is all great stuff. It is amazing the offering that they're able to put together. And it's nutritious, too, which I know makes Dave happy. It was nice uh, when one of the, the children, one, a little girl, came up and, you know, she didn't really want the pulled pork. So she was thrilled to know that they made a batch of macaroni and cheese. Perfect. And, and, and it's just... It's, it's a level of caring that I, I don't think I've witnessed. So when and how did you become involved? What, 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 how long do you go back? Well, it's great that I'm surrounded right now by Paul and, um, and David because I'm going to use my microphone to do this. Gentlemen, you'll remember I would walk to the window in our 7th and 8th grade classroom and say, there's a world out there. Now, what are you people going to do about that? And I dragged you off to the Boys and Girls Club, Crisis Nursery, a nursing home, Catholic Worker House. We just made the rounds in town. And I said, when you grow up, make sure you do something with your lives. So this is pretty delightful for me to be here with these two young men who were 12 and 13 when I last encountered them, and they're doing something with their lives. When I retired, I thought, oh boy, Karen Pickard, you better put your money where your mouth is. And that's when I started volunteering. And that was just shortly That after. was eight years ago. So eight years ago. Right. And what would you say the biggest need is, if, if, if you had to pick one, or is there one need? Or, or I guess kind of it's a prelude to... How do people help and how do people get involved? What's the best way? Because frankly, I knew it existed, but I, I, I really had no enough concept of it to even know to get involved. Lots of people want to come and volunteer. We have many, many volunteers, a crew each day, seven days a week has, has its own crew. And so we're pretty flush with volunteers. Uh, you gentlemen came yesterday. We have five people today who are coming from the U of I library just to just to be there for the day. But our crews are pretty full. I would suggest to anybody in the community, if they'd like to volunteer at Daily Bread Soup Kitchen, to go to our website, dailybreadsoupkitchen.com, and there will be an indication of which days need more help. What do we need? We need money. And this is a money show. Our math is simple. If you gave me $10, I could feed 20 people. 
You gave me $20, I could feed 40 people. Give me $50, I'll feed 100 people. So our dollars go a long way to do what we're doing. And why do we do this? People in our town are hungry. So really people get a, a, a multiplication effect. You know, you, you say you give $100 and feed 200 people, $100 you feed 200 people. It's pretty incredible math. I mean, it's better than any one person can really do on their own. And I just want to mention, uh, it's a really simple donation process, too. It's right on their homepage. In fact, uh, Ryan, if you're listening right now and watching the Facebook Live broadcast, if you could go ahead and share their homepage in the comments. Um, but there's a little yellow button at the bottom of the page that says Donate, and it's, it's as easy as putting in your credit card information. I did it last night. You know, you got to do your due diligence before the show, but of course, it's a great cause as well. And I can very much vouch for the fact that every dollar you spend goes really, really far. I mean, we have and Daily Bread has very, very passionate volunteers that are able to take the food that they get at an incredibly low cost and use it to serve a lot of people in a very, very respectful way. So I just think there are very few places that your money can go as far as serving 100 people for $50 or 20 people for $10. So I, I like to put numbers to it like that because you can really think, hey, my $100 donation put food on 200 people's plates today so i think it's just a great 203 way. yesterday 203 <laughs> was what we served yesterday and yeah being in the being in the food line we felt it and we're very lucky to have mrs pickard here because we realize how busy it gets over there well, well she's not giving out grades anymore you don't you don't have to you know <laughs> although when she uh, read through my cnbc article she gave me a few very constructive you know from an english perspective i was like i think my teacher just graded my cnbc no, article it was wonderful it was absolutely wonderful anytime you have uh, a seventh grade boy who actually pays attention to the merchant of venice and shakespeare and then uses it in his adult life you've got to be pleased um speaking of using using resources in our community um the reason why we're able to do what we do is because of the generosity in champaign urbana yes money absolutely but also food we get food, and I, and I have to mention all of these generous people. We get food from Piatto Cafe, um, from El Toro Restaurant, from Arby's, from... Um, Biagi's, I noticed. Some Biagi's, bread yesterday. Okay. Uh, Panera. I went to Panera last night uh, at Kirby and Prospect. Uh, excuse me, Kirby and Mattis, and they gave me every single bagel loaf of bread and dessert that was left at nine o'clock last night and our guests are enjoying those this morning uh the u of i uh, dormitories give us their leftovers uh we just get an incredible amount of food from the community and that's what makes our operation um more easy to handle that's pretty incredible and we are there's going to be a financial aspect of the show in the second half karen's agreed to stay with us oh maybe for another uh, 10 minutes or so um, 10 or 12 minutes and after that we're actually going to talk about some of the uh, clever ways to if you want to give money to the cause and money is always needed and it gets multiplied remember uh and so we're going to get give what we think are some clever ways uh to do that some are better than others and so this will have a financial aspect of the show. I want to move into the backpack side of it, because when we were sitting outside before the show, Paul mentioned the backpack issue, but I, I frankly, I didn't pay much attention to it. But your eyes lit up when you were when Paul was asking you, OK, we kind of got the basic stuff that goes into a backpack. What's what? What are the fun What's things? The, fun stuff? the thing that struck me is you said you need at least eight hundred of them. Yeah. I mean, so I was thinking, well, there's two hundred and three people yesterday. There's probably need for a couple hundred. I'm not seeing them all, am I? 
oh gosh, no, oh no, no, no. Uh, there are many people in this community who do not come to the soup kitchen, but indeed, uh, we want them to have something special at Christmas time. And so we are kicking off our, I think this is our eighth annual backpack uh, giveaway. It will be giving away backpacks at the soup kitchen on December 14th, but we have a lot of work to do before then. Between December 3rd and the 13th, I invite you, uh, our listeners in Champaign-Urbana, to fill a backpack for our guests. Uh, Paul has already started. Boy, he's on Amazon. He's buying in bulk. I'm totally excited to see what the Rudy folks are going to come up with backpack-wise. We found that uh, many of our guests do everything they can to make a special Christmas for their children, their families, and very rarely do they get something new themselves. So we're committed to providing a brand new backpack. This is nothing gently used, brand new, filled with all the creature comforts that someone might need at winter time. So Paul, you've been shopping. What have, what have you been shopping? I for? have been. And um, what's great is you can find prices on different things, different places. Uh, so for example, I've been buying a lot of things on bulk on Amazon, like you mentioned, uh, winter hats, gloves, wool socks, because I know those, my, my toes always get cold. I'm just a cold guy. Um, I guess a cold guy temperature wise I shouldn't say that on the radio um, on top of that you know you have to just kind of shop around because I looked for uh, toiletry kits with you know shampoo razor shaving cream deodorant and uh, there's also a female version of that too and those I found at Walmart for a really good price and uh, my mom got involved as well I think shopping for four kids who are always rapidly outgrowing things probably turned her into a pretty good bargain shopper and she found uh, some great deals at Kohl's on fleece sweatshirts and long shirts and stuff like that so we've been running around filling the backpacks it's been a fun project I was just unboxing some things at our office before we got over here and it's yeah I think it's kind of a fun thing to do and you know it's going to someone who who really is going to appreciate it and did you say maybe you put it on Facebook or something that if people want to drop a backpack off even to us and have us do some of the legwork and fill it you, know, you want to talk about that at all or, or are we yeah over this that? next week uh, we're doing that and uh, I've been joking because David uh, he's going to be the one in the office I'm flying back to Texas this <laughs> afternoon so I'm not even going to have to be there but uh, David's a very good worker and he doesn't always like to be interrupted so naturally I did the older brother thing and invited <laughs> the town of Champaign to stop by and uh, drop by some backpacks for a good cause. I think that's a good reason to be interrupted. I think so make sure you stop by his, his office in the back right corner. <laughs> so, you know, to the extent we can help facilitate that, uh, you could call us at 356-1400, and we'll figure out a way for you to help. I, I'm not trying to take the thunder away directly from uh, the Daily Bread Soup Kitchen. I'm just saying, look, uh, we have all these workers that are willing to do some of the legwork. Uh, if we can make it easier, we'll do whatever we can to do that. Well, uh, what I'll about? Be, I'll be looking forward to David coming to the back door at Daily Bread Soup Kitchen. We're at 116 uh, North 1st Street in Champaign, right across from the police department. But if you come around to the back door with backpacks, I'll be looking for David coming to the back door, bringing what you, uh, your listeners, uh, take over to uh, the Rudy offices. But um, I would suggest Something that's really fun that I've done the last couple of years is I go shopping with my little granddaughters. Now they're uh, eight years old and five years old now. So I'll say, Claire, we're going to have a, a backpack for a man, a gentleman, two, size two extra large. So we make a tag that says man 2XL. And Gracie, 
uh, you're going to have a backpack for a woman who's size medium. So we'll make another tag, woman, medium, and then we just trop through the stores uh, getting things to put in that bag. For the woman especially, uh, my little granddaughters, uh, who I would love to say are well-behaved, and for the most part they are, but oh boy, they can fight over what (laughs) color nail polish is going into that lady's backpack. They get into it. Um, So it's long underwear and it's socks and it's many of the toiletries and things that Paul mentioned. And some of the fun ideas are um, snack foods, uh, uh, can of nuts, um, deck of cards, uh, crossword puzzle book. People get very, very creative with the things that they fill uh, in a backpack. We'll be passing them out December 14th. We'll be collecting them December 3rd through the 13th. That's wonderful. And uh Boy, such a little thing has turned out to be a huge thing, doesn't it? Huge. I mean, it, it, and it, festive. It, it, and festive for, and fun. Is it fair to say for some people that'll be the only thing they get? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That will be their gift for Christmas. And uh, just as a couple more pieces of info, in case people want to actually read some of this stuff and have a permanent copy of it, um, Ryan, if you're listening right now, if you could share a link to their backpack, uh, backpack project page on our Facebook Live comments, that would be fantastic. So no government funding for you? No government funding whatsoever. The city doesn't give us a dime. We love our city. Uh, However, uh, we get no funding from outside sources, and we are 100% volunteer. So the folks down at Daily Bread are doing everything like you gentlemen did yesterday, washing dishes, wiping tables, making food, writing grants. Um, United Way helps us out when, when we write grants with them. We've got absolutely generous rotary clubs in town who oftentimes uh, will accept some of our grants and uh, give us some, a little bit of funding. But no, we're just running that operation. It's about $13,000 a month, which makes me nervous to even know that figure to keep the doors open. But um, I always refer, you know, we were all in Catholic school together, David and Paul and myself. I always refer to Daily Bread as a minor miracle. We never know how many volunteers we'll have that day. We don't know how many folks are going to walk in the door. And we don't know if the food's going to hold out. But guess what? It always does. And do you ever get to periods where it doesn't? I mean, you just said it seems to always do it. But do you ever get towards the end of the year and it's like, ooh, are we going to get through the year? Or just somehow it magically? It just works out. And boy, if I could give you the formula for that, you wouldn't need a radio there, show. Yeah. There right? is no formula. Um, right? No, uh, we uh, is the food going to hold out? All of a sudden, those big pans that you served out of yesterday start getting low, and there's still a line. So we start scrambling. Where are the hot dogs? What's in the freezer? What can we uh, flash microwave really quickly? But it just always works out, and that's that's because of somebody's watching over us. Well, it's, uh, it was wonderful to be part of it yesterday. Um, the boys have already signed me up for the... See, I had Mondays off as a rule. Now, I'm usually working still at home, but they've decided to hijack me and said, Dad, you could go over there every Monday. So I'm contemplating that. I, I, I'm warning if they'll have you over there. <laughs> this might be a warning to the great folks over there well, who are just wonderful people, caring people. And again, it was a, it was a, somebody sent me, a, we were on the cover of the News Gazette today. And uh, by the way, I told the photographer to put my best side on the picture. 
and he had the top of my head. Oh, I don't come know on, what, Paul. Yeah, Every side what, is your best side. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but we, we had a really, but it was eye-opening. You know, I told a few of the people, I go, yeah, I think my kids have pretty much seen the privileged side of life most of life. When you when you realize there's so much need, it's easier. It's it, look, it's easy to live in a nice neighborhood. I'm not I'm not trying to be self righteous here, but even I was taken aback. You know, I've lived in this town essentially my whole life, and if you'd have said, "How many people do you think they feed over there every day?" I'd probably say oh, a dozen or two, maybe. And it's like two hundred and three, and uh, just it it was amazing. So. Uh, our hats are off to you and everybody there. Nobody likes to take the credit over there, I noticed, um, which is kind of beautiful in, excel, in itself. So uh, thank you for being on the show today. And if there's anything people can do, we'll, we'll promote you all that we can. We're going to help all that we can. And, uh, and we look forward to that relationship. Thank you. Thanks for thanks asking for me to be in. here. And thanks for hanging out with my two old, old buddies here from seventh grade. <laughs> oh, gosh, our pleasure. Hopefully That's we got a passing grade. <laughs> yes, you did. Before you take off. yes, you did. All right, Paul, you can give your hugs, guys, and uh, we're going to move on. Dave, I'm going to keep you here. Uh, Paul's coming back, too. Um, anyway, uh, so one of the things we want to talk about are using qualified charitable distributions out of IRAs, Dave. Uh, there's, you know, that's what's one of the really wonderful ways that has been set into law for people that are 70 and a half, and I want you guys to go over the rules for that. Uh, but it's known as a qualified charitable distribution from an IRA account. So, David, can you just explain kind of the, the big picture on this at first, and then we'll fence it in and get to the details, because it's really a clever and helpful use. And again, they've extended the limits quite uh, to quite a large amount, and pseudo made it permanent. So I'll let you guys kind of talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I think it probably makes sense to start start with describing the people it actually is applicable to. And really, that's people who are over the age of 70 and a half and have required minimum distributions from their IRA accounts. And if you fall into that category, and again, one thing that I realized is that you have to actually be 70 and a half to do this. You can't just do it in the year you turn 70 and a half if you're not that age yet. So just a little side note there. Um, but if you are over 70 and a half, you're going to have a certain amount of money that you have to take out of your IRA by law pay taxes on it, and then you can spend it or you can move it over to another investment account. But it's just a way that essentially the IRS forces people to uh, pay their taxes so they can't defer it forever. Well, that creates taxable income for people. And if someone is charitably, charitably inclined, what they can do is they can actually gift money from their IRA up to $100,000. That money will go to the charity tax-free it eliminates the taxable income for that amount. So let's say you had $20,000 required minimum distribution. Under normal circumstances, you have, you're, that's going to be $20,000 of taxable income. And that's added to your adjusted if, gross income at the top line. Instead, if, if you were going to gift $20,000 you know, that year, you can do it straight out of your IRA. That money goes completely pre-tax, and now it doesn't, you don't even have that additional $20,000 of ordinary income for the year. So it's really a great way to give money. And I think one of the keys there is it doesn't impact your adjusted gross income. And adjusted gross income, a lot of things are tested, like uh, how much of your Social Security gets taxed, your Medicare premiums, uh, uh, what your adjusted gross uh, income level is, has, can have an impact on that. So even the old ways of doing it, for some people it's still the way to do it if they're not 70 and a half. So right now for this qualified charitable distribution, we're talking about the people that have attained 70 and a half. 
they would make the de- they would take a deduction, itemized deduction for it, but still it impacts the you know it, it impacts their adjusted gross income at the same time. Uh, so the, this is a much more efficient way to do it. Right. And what if someone um, you can give up to a hundred? Doesn't have to be just out of your required minimum distribution. Is that correct? Uh, correct. I mean, it could, you could fulfill your RMD and then you could gift more beyond that. And it would still be beneficial because you're giving money that's purely pre-tax. The way I look at it is, okay, well, you put that money in your IRA and you got a tax deduction. So that's money that has never been taxed. And then you get to give it away and you never pay, you basically get the money out without paying taxes. So that money was never taxed. And that's basically maximizing the dollars that you're giving to charity. And to your point, sometimes I'll get the question of, well, you know, historically I've been just giving cash or basically giving money that's outside of my IRA, and then I get an itemized deduction. Isn't that the same thing? And the answer is not necessarily because, as you mentioned, if you do that and you have required minimum distributions, one thing is that's going to increase your adjusted gross income. And a lot of these itemized deductions have a certain threshold that you have to meet above your adjusted gross income before you actually get to itemize them, medical expenses being one of, one example. The other thing is, you know, most people don't have huge itemized deductions, and especially in today's day and age when we have limitations on the amount of property taxes that you can deduct and home interest that you can deduct, a lot of people are going to end up taking the standard deduction anyways. Right. So, so let's you- say you gift $500 or $1,000 throughout the year, and you might think, oh, it's nice that it's tax deductible. Well, if you're not already basically itemizing anyways, there's a good chance that you're not getting any net benefit because you would have basically been getting that amount of money essentially tax-free or tax deductible just through the standard deduction. So this way it salvages. You get both, and that's the best of both worlds. We're going to take a call. I'm going to twist. This is going to be Brian on line one. Brian, thanks for calling. Paul Rudy's on the money. You there, Brian? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hello? Okay. Um, Your talk of required minimum distributions had me wondering, do uh, Roth IRAs and 457Bs also have required minimum distributions? So Roth IRAs do not, but inherited Roth IRAs do. And that's important for people to be aware of because it, it can be confusing. They're, they're two different types of accounts. So if it's just your own Roth IRA, you didn't inherit from, from a parent or a spouse or wherever, um, there are not required minimum distributions. But if you inherited it, make sure that you realize you do have required minimum distributions. Now, the the difference is when you take that money out, you're not paying taxes on it. So it's really not a huge deal. You just don't get to keep letting it keep grow, uh, continue growing tax-free, essentially. What, what about a 457B? And a 457, I think you you will I think have, you still will. Ha- I'm pretty sure you're going to have a required minimum distributions on that. Yep. I'm pretty much any okay. any tax deferred account you're going to end up having required minimum distributions at some point right because otherwise you basically get to defer taxes forever um, so that's again that's the rationale for required minimum distributions is at some point the government wants to get their tax revenue all right well I'll keep my thoughts on that to myself but thank you very much <laughs> okay <laughs> thanks for calling so really using this qualified uh, distribution uh, from your IRA, uh, we're seeing more and more of it. Uh, it we're, it's really common now with our clients. Uh, we're encouraging it. Um, for people that are, have reached 70 and a half that are, have this available to them, 
sometimes I'll ask, well, wouldn't I be better off just to give appreciated stock? And in that extent, I say, well, not really, because if you're 70 and a half, it means we're all that much closer to waking up on a cloud, right? Just to, just to be blunt. And with appreciated stock, assuming you hold on to it, and when you wake up on a cloud, that will get a step up in basis in a taxable account. So, you, you know, I still think even for that situation, if you've attained the age, to use that qualified uh, charitable distribution out of your IRA. And then if you want to go above and beyond that, obviously, uh, then you would want to go to the appreciated stock route. That would be make a lot of sense. And Paul's going to talk more about gifting appreciated stock and some well, of the benefits there. why don't we move there. into that? But before we do that, I just want to mention two other more logistical things with oh, okay. uh, qualified charitable distributions. One is if you're going to be giving out of your IRA, make sure that the check is made out directly to the charity. If you make it out to yourself and then you ended up giving the money to the charity, it's going to be treated as a taxable distribution. And the charity has to be a bona fide charity. It does. It has to be, what is it, a 501c3 charity. So that's something to make sure you verify um, that wherever you're giving your money qualifies as a 501c3 charitable organization. Some Sometimes private foundations and private charities don't always necessarily meet that. And donor, most, and most, most, and donor advised funds probably are not going to qualify as well. Like see, some of the major brokerage firms like Fidelity and Vanguard, Schwab, et cetera, have what's called a donor uh, advised fund uh, where you can put a big lump sum in to it, take the charitable deduction. That's where uh, you can kind of use those for the appreciated stock. Correct. It's a great way to use those. Right. And, um, but the, but one thing, the one thing I was going to point out, which most of our clients end up choosing to do, is like, so we use Charles Schwab as our custodian. And if we say to uh, send a check from the, their IRA account directly to this charity, they won't know, the charity won't necessarily know where it came from or who it came from. What you can do is as long as the check's made out to the charity, you can have the check sent to your address, and then you can forward it on. You can drop it off. You can mail it so that it, they, the charity knows that it came from you. Um, a lot of people just like doing that, so that's something to be aware of. Um, and then the other last note is make sure you if you're if you have a tax withholding set up on your IRA distributions, remove that for the qualified charitable distributions because you don't need to take a tax withholding because it's going to be a, a tax-free gift. And again, we're trying to give ideas here. Uh, we're not telling people specifically what to do. We don't want to give you tax advice. That's better left for your CPA or uh, enrolled agent, uh, a person that actually does that for a living because your circumstances may, there may be something about your personal circumstances that say, well, yes, for 99% of the people, that's true what they said, but in your case, it may not hold true. Um, the, I noticed a couple quirky things is if you do this, don't accept any gift, not even a pencil, uh, of any value, because then that would, uh, that tends to disqualify that charitable, uh, oh, really? qualified charitable distribution. So don't let them send you tickets or, you know, to a play or anything. You want this just to be completely without that. Uh, and cause sometimes, you know, there'll be. Uh, something of value given, you know, just in a thank you. And just, you want to stay away from that. Uh, again, talk to your CPA about that. But that's some of the, from everything I read, they say that's kind of one of the, the no-nos. You don't want to do that. So I think other than that, again, it's, it's, uh, it's something that people really can use as a tool, that qualified charitable distribution. We do it a lot with our clients. And talk to your financial advisor or CPA about it. And uh, it, it, it's really, it's one of those strategies that, everybody kind of wins. The charity wins. The, the people that make the donation make the win, uh, make the win. And uh, it's really, it's, I think it's really just kind of a and nice I, strategy. I always look at it like, look, I'm not giving to charity to 
you know, for the tax breaks I'm giving to charity because I want to, you know, put goodwill out into the world and I want to help people. But at the same time, if I can minimize the tax burden on the money I'm giving, that allows me to give that much more money that's going to the charity or the recipients of the charity that I ultimately want my money to go to. Right. So you just want to do everything. You want to play within the rules and be smart within the rules. You know, you just want to take every deduction that it's legitimate. They put them in there for a reason to encourage charitable giving. There's no shame in that. So that's a good point. Uh, another option, as we were talking about, um, since you have to be 70 and a half to do the qualified charitable distribution uh, out of our IRA account. And by the way, pretty much just an IRA account is allowed to do that. Um, is donating appreciated stock, Paul. Uh it allows for the pre-tax contribution, but also permanently avoids the long-term capital gains. Is that the strategy? You bought a stock or were given stock. Let's just say you bought a stock at $50 a share. You've held it for quite some time, or maybe you haven't, but you've been fortunate, and now that stock is worth 100 or 150 a share. You're stealing my example. Oh, I am? <laughs> That's okay. You're stealing my notes. But uh, yeah, um, so it's actually under IRC Section 170 is the actual ruling on it. But um, an individual who donates a stock or some other type of investment, it doesn't have to be stock, um, that has appreciated in value and it has to have been held for at least 12 months to, to qualify for long-term capital gain treatment. Moral of the story, they're able to deduct the whole market value of that stock without having to pay capital gains on it. So just an example, and I, I use an even more extreme example than you. Uh, let's say you bought some stock for $100,000, and it's now worth $1 million. Well, if you sell that stock, you're going to have $900,000 in capital gains that's going to get whacked with taxes. Um, but if you donate the stock directly to the charity, you can actually donate and deduct the full million limited to your income. I'll explain uh, the rules on that later. Um, and you never have to pay the taxes on that 900000 in gains. And the charity doesn't have to either. It effectively just goes away. So I think, the, I think it's really great for people who have huge appreciated stock positions that you know, maybe you had uh, an investment that went really great. And a lot of times that results in you having a lot of your wealth in one investment. And if you want to divest some of it, this might be some, a great way to think about doing that in a way that benefits charity. Or if you're missing your cost basis completely. You know, sometimes you can track down cost basis, you know, in a reasonable manner, but sometimes it's really difficult. And maybe, you know, if you're charitably inclined, it's just easier to gift the securities and not have to worry about trying to find the cost basis. Yeah, that's a very good point. And uh, I did mention that this is limited to your income. So um, just a rule to remember is that the deduction for appreciated stock is actually limited to 30% of your adjusted gross income. And that's a little different from cash. Um, there's a 60% limit. Um, but you can still, with your, your losses, with the 30%, if, if you have more left over after you have knocked out your adjusted gross income, you can still carry forward those losses to future years. So you don't, you know, it's not use it or lose it in the first year. Okay, so I mean that's just a, again if you're not seventy and a half and you're trying to decide how what the best way from a tax standpoint to make a charitable uh, contribution and to take the advantage of the taxation certainly you know appreciated stock is one of the things you want to consider. Yeah, and just one thing to to note, like Dave mentioned with logistics of uh, charitable 
um, charitable distributions. Um, yeah, really make sure that the charity can actually accept appreciated stock. Um, I actually did a little bit of homework and checked with the treasurer of Daily Bread Soup Kitchen, and they do accept appreciated stock. It's only happened once, but uh, they'd be happy to have more, I'm sure. So yeah, that's just a great thing to kind of check with them on the logistics, if they can accept it, what their account number is, and kind of how their ideal process would work. And since we're getting towards the end of the year, people are thinking about taxation. What about the idea of, you know, lumping your deductions all into one year versus other years and using donor advised funds? What do you guys take on that? Well, I think it's becoming almost more important after the new tax laws passed, um, just because we've got bigger standard deductions and then some of the itemized deductions have been capped. And because of that, more and more people are itemizing. They have less and less um less and less itemized deductions and just having a large standard deduction as well is kind of a double whammy there. Um, so what you can do, well, I, maybe I should talk about the problem that, that can create. First of all, I mentioned earlier is, you know, if you have relatively low income or low itemized deductions to begin with, before any charitable giving right. is considered, um, you may gift a certain amount, you know, especially if you're the type of person who gifts a little bit each year. You know, maybe it's a few thousand bucks each year, which obviously is a great gift, but you may not get a tax deduction for right. that because you may still be in the window where you're better off taking the standard deduction. Your itemized deductions might not be greater than that. Standard and for most people, let's amount. face it, for most people, they're you know a married couple, a standard deduction out of the gate if they're not even sixty-five yet is twenty-four thousand dollars. I mean, very few people. Well, I shouldn't say that. There's a lot of people that don't meet. Get, don't get it's a lot threshold. of itemized deductions. It's a lot of itemized deductions. Uh, and so this is going to apply to a lot of people. Yep. What you're talking about is maybe not doing them, trickling them out year after year, lumping them, you know, into this year and tell your charities, look, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of front load it and don't expect anything in the next few years. And then we'll kind of see well, it then. And, and actually you can continue trickling the money out. It's just a matter of when you put the money in a donor advised fund in a big lump sum, let's say you give, oh, you okay. know, put a hundred thousand dollars in. That's counted as a gift in this year because it's it's irrevo irrevocable. You right. can't take that money back, and that's why they let you take the the deduction for it that year. So doing that allows you to maximize the amount that's actually deductible because you'll for sure if you gift you know that amount that hundred thousand, you're not going to be taking the standard deduction of twenty four thousand. So you can lump it in as you're saying and just say, okay, I'm going to put them all in, take the deduction this year, but yep. you know next year I. I'll give some money away and tell the chair, the donor advice fund, okay, I want 5000 to go to the Daily Bread Soup Kitchen and 2000 to my church or temple, and then the next year until you've burned through that whole amount Ex of money that you've put in. Exactly. You can give as much or as little over the next however many years you want. Um, and the best thing to do with these is to, to gift appreciated securities or put appreciated securities in there because then you're eliminating that capital so gain. So donor advice funds will accept appreciated securities? Yes. Okay. And, you know, and again, you go to the major brokerage firms and Vanguard, Fidelity, Charles Schwab, there's others I'm sure I'm missing. And, uh, it, and it's really quite, a, it, you know, it's, uh, it's really, it's a very useful tool that we're seeing more and more people use that at the same time. Absolutely. And then, you know, one thing you touched on is generally speaking, I think 
for most people in most instances, you're better off if you have required minimum distributions doing those qualified charitable distributions. But, you know, I was reading articles about, you know, comparing those versus gifting appreciated securities. And under the right circumstances, gifting appreciated securities can actually be more beneficial, but it really has to be <laughs> the right circumstances. And this is just me reiterating uh, your your comment earlier that really before you do any of these strategies you should run it by a cpa who knows your specific circumstances and will be able to run a pro forma tax return and tell you exactly what the best strategy is rather than kind of relying on blanket rules of thumb or you know that's one of the challenges with a radio show is sure you know you, you don't you can't know everyone's individual circumstances and almost everything is an it depends answer and that's kind of why i've always framed the show is we're not really trying to give people the specific answers so much though we're happy to answer questions is provide the questions to ask your financial advisors and attorneys cpas etc and i think that's a healthier way to that's the way i view the show and i that's how i would hope listeners to the show and they tell exactly. me that that is kind of the case uh, and of course, we've we've always enjoyed doing this show, and you know I've always thrilled that WDWS allows us to do this. I've been doing it, I think, since 1990. I can't put the exact year, <laughs> but uh, Larry Fredrickson insists, and he and I have kibitzed and said, oh, I'm pretty sure it was 1990 when we started doing the show. So it's been quite a while. Well, it's been an interesting year, guys. We still have a little bit of time left. Um, but I want to shift a little bit because the last oh couple of weeks have been kind of bumpy. And I've told the guys, I said, look, uh, I, I think they, they tried to spend the second correction, 10% correction in a year. And we're in a midterm election cycle. I feel pretty comfortable. Again, this is not usable. It's not go out and do something because I'm saying I'm comfortable with the idea that I think they've probably thrown pretty close to the worst they're going to throw at us this year. And I'm, I'm looking forward from this point on. I've been through this a number of times over 35 years. And I just get a sense that, you know, we probably, uh, we're probably going to enter now a new uptrend in the stock market. I think people, you know, within the next year or so, again, it might, you guys are probably going to laugh at me for even suggesting this. I'm talking about big picture stuff. I'm feeling more comfortable with the way things are playing out. The economy still remains really strong. Every economic indicator you look at, housing a little bit, uh, getting a little bit weaker. But everywhere I look, uh, I certainly see signs of strength from an economic standpoint. I certainly don't see a Federal Reserve that's tight in a tight position, if, if anything, that's still borderline uh, loose on their money supply. So I, we, I know that we've been suggesting to people when markets are near all-time highs, that we've been using a dollar cost averaging approach for brand new clients. So, you know, it always makes me nervous to take, and we've had so many new clients this year. <laughs> you know, we've probably brought in more clients this year than ever. In fact, I'm sure we have. And of course, all pretty close within 5% of all time high. So we've done a lot of dollar cost averaging this year, but I told the guys that you can stop for anybody where dollar cost averaging. And again, this is not advice for people to do it themselves. I'm just giving them a general sense of how I feel. I've said to the guys, look, we can stop dollar cost averaging. I'm comfortable now of getting everybody that's near their targeted allocation. Let's just go ahead and do it and uh, for all that's worth. So I'm feeling pretty good. It's been a tough year. Uh, almost every asset class, even year to date, even, even with yesterday's improvement, I think more asset classes are underwater for the year than almost any time in the last 30 years, almost everywhere you look. U.S. large company stocks are up a little bit, just barely positive for the year. So it's been 
it's been a challenging year, I think, for people psychologically. And that's always the, that's always the hard part, right? The psychological part, Dave? I think so. But you also have to keep in mind, last year was amazing. Last 2017 year was, was amazing. It was, it was incredible. So year. if you average the two years together, you still had great returns. You're you not probably have, have somewhere in the broad U.S. Year. market, I'm sorry, uh, a 15% per year return in the last two years. Absolutely. This all happened in 2017. So it's like you can't look at one-year increments. That's the biggest lesson you can take away regarding investing is looking at short-time horizons will will just drive you nuts. You just can't do it. It's not going to tell you anything valuable. It's just going to stress you out. And the other thing I want to point out is, yes, everything's down. Most every asset class is down this year. But it's not like it was a smash or bear market either. Things could go down further from here. I'm not. That's not a market call. It's just that it could, and you need to be mentally prepared for that. And you shouldn't be surprised if it happens. If you're invested in the stock market, you always have to be prepared to see your portfolio balance decline. You know, in a normal bear market, thirty percent. The stock yeah. portion specifically. The essence of being a, 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 a an investor in the great companies of America and the world are it's going to be a lot of unpredictability. Um, we hope for that unpredictability, even when we don't like it, because it's that. If, if not for that unpredictability, historically speaking, anyway, I don't think you would have had the spectacular historical returns that the ownership of the great companies of America and the world have provided. Well, and even though you gave just kind of some general perspective on what's going on right now, you know, I always want to caution people about really taking any sort of stance on the direction of the market. I I learned this lesson a little bit earlier this year when the market was at all-time highs. I sent an article over to Investopedia about investing at all-time highs. And I was like, oh, you just watch. You know, maybe Donald Trump will say something and tank the market tomorrow. Sure enough, (laughs) this was purely random. Totally random. But, you know, just when I thought I was safe to write that article about, you know, we're going to go through more all-time highs, but it's okay, the market just turned right around. So, you know, just when you think you got a trend spotted, just know that sometimes it's impossible to do. But at the same time, if things are, you know, 10% less expensive than they were yesterday and you intended on buying them anyways, I don't see any reason why you shouldn't buy more. Right. It's really, I've always said, if you're you're not prepared to own shares and partial ownership of the great companies of America, of the world, uh, for really a lifetime is really what one ought to think about a lifetime hold. Uh, not what happens then in the next year or two. Uh, easy for us to say, right? Um, you take a retired investor who freshly retires, uh, the stock market goes down, their, their portfolio goes down 5 or 10 or 15%. Maybe they've pulled 4 or 5% of the portfolio. That's become, psychologically, there's a lot of stress that comes with this. And it's the undoing of a lot of great plans. Uh, even if it's not a written plan, it's just, oh, okay, I'm, I'm a lifetime investor for sure. And as Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. And if you're gonna if you're gonna reach for higher expected returns that the ownership of the great companies of America and the world have historically provided, um, you're gonna get hit in the mouth, and you're 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 it's going to test your resolve. But then the the other asset class that we can own is we can be a lender. We can buy bonds and we can lend our money to banks by buying either certificates of deposit. There's very little unpredictability involved in that world, which is why there's very little return net of taxes and inflation, which is the only you know, reasonable way to think about return is after I pay the invisible tax of inflation and the seen tax of the actual income taxes, uh, that's the return we get to spend at the grocery store. 
and uh, and so we have about another minute. Well, again, we were delighted to have Karen Pickard join us, and we thank her, and we thank all the nice people at the Daily Bread Soup Kitchen that we helped with yesterday for being nice to us. <laughs> Watch us flounder a little bit and get used to how do you serve 203 people. Uh, we figured it out eventually. We were certainly delighted to help, and we can. We, I'm pretty sure we're going to continue to help that organization, as others we do all year throughout the year. We've helped a number of them, and we're happy to do that. We encourage others to do that if they're so inclined. And, uh, again, I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, I know we did. None of my kids were there. No, actually, <laughs> David, you and Katie were there. This is our kind of off year at the Rudy household, but next year everybody – flies in so anyway we had thanks for listening to the show today david and paul thanks for joining us and we'd like to thank karen pickard again for joining us from the daily bread soup kitchen thanks for listening today and have a great rest of the week join us for the second and fourth tuesday of each month for paul rudy's on the money Views expressed represent those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of the station. This is News Talk 1400, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana.